Hello, you are listening to the very first episode of season two of the internet's most missed podcast, Suck My Fanfic. Hosted, season two. Yeah, season two. Hosted by um, some two douchebags that you didn't even realize that were gone because they had other people release episodes for them. I'm Alex. And I'm Ryan. Yes. And although this is the first episode of season two, it is our 35th canon episode and therefore this is episode 35 oh is it really yeah absolutely that's crazy we're not gonna restart the numbering system i mean shouldn't we wouldn't that make people feel like a a sense of oh starting fresh new beginnings no 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 you don't want to do that because you want to seem more popular so that if you have like higher um episode numbers it's like people think like there's an audience, even though it's just like three people on the internet that listen to us. Hi, by the way, Henry. I just <laughs> want to make sure we mention you. Um, this is more like a fireside chat between us and Henry. Yeah, at this point, yeah. How have you been, Ryan? Uh, we haven't actually done a recording since August 5th, and it's currently October 20th, about to be October 21st. So how have you Oof. been? Man, I've been good. I've yeah. been good. Um it's it's getting colder up here, which is which is fine. I've actually been taking the time to go outside and like read books and experience the fall air that's coming in. Wow. I that... moved I moved up here before uh, after fall. So yeah. I didn't experience I just got like the brutal cold of winter. Immediate I did not winter, get that transition yeah. period. Yeah, so I'm ex- very much enjoying that. You're experiencing that lovely I, uh, fall smog. Yes, fall smog is great. I picked pumpkins today and they were only slightly radiated. That's not That's bad. Great. Yeah. What about you, dude? What, what, what are you up to? Oh, I'm I'm doing well. Um, I'm I'm currently recording in my bathroom because I don't want to wake my roommates. Um, but hey, it's just it's great acoustics. So that's really my real reason. Uh, no, I'm doing well though. We I, I'm. It, it sounds like I'm a slacker, but I have three courses because that's like full time for my program, and um, one of the courses is. Uh, anthropology's four fields and one of the courses um it's a year long and it divides the four fields into like quarters so i just finished the first quarter of that class and mm-hmm. uh finished with a 100 for that quarter so i feel pretty good whoa look at you yeah Mr. Pants. the best part is it's an archaeology course and i'm not an archaeologist and i actually scored better than the two archaeologists in the class so Nice. That's uh, always know, good to lord over them. Yeah, when yeah. they're like famous archaeologists and you have nothing to do with archaeology, yeah. you'd be like, "Well, I am better than you because I got that one hundred percent." I did do better than you. It's no big deal. Um, and they're like both really mad at me right now, in like a, a uh, you know fun sense. But they're both like, "Yeah, shut the fuck up." Um, so it's nice. It's nice. I'm really proud of that. But as far as academics go, I'm doing a lot. I've read like. I'm not counting words because that's obviously a little too crazy, but I am That's crazy. how we measure fan fictions, though. you got to yeah, ballpark by words, it. by words. Well, I'm, it's 2,500 pages is what I've read so far, cumulatively. Okay. Yeah, and that okay. includes, like, books and journal articles and, like, chapters of textbooks. It's 2,500 pages since Wow. Well, even, even, if it's like, even if it's in – it might be as little as, like, 100 words on a page. It's probably much more than that, but that still puts you squarely – that still puts you squarely at like a, a medium length Sherlock fanfic. Yeah. What's the what's that really long one about Super Smash Brothers? I'm like a quarter of the way through that, basically. Oh, that's, yeah, that's like a million words, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's trust me, it's not a hundred words per page. No, it might be, but no, it's a lot because it's. Um, 
I think as far as just like book books have gone, I think I've read like eight or nine since I got here. Mm. Um, it's a lot. I just, I've been nothing but reading and I have an RA position. So I'm, uh, organizing conferences and stuff like that. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's exactly what I want to do with my life. And, uh, you know, four to six years when I graduate I'm going to be really happy. So, um, look at that kid. Sometimes your dreams, uh, can come true. And sometimes you can be like Ryan and, uh, just be depressed that you're in Hoboken. It's true. That's yeah. true. There are two paths to go down. Yeah. We can be your angle or your devil. You pick. Mm-hmm. But it's good to hear that you're enjoying fall. I'm glad. How how are you enjoying um, the books? What have you been reading? Um, one of the books, which I'm stoked on, I'll save till later. Mm. Um, I, I is, is, is was good. I just finished it. Actually, the ending wasn't as great as I thought, but it was a very good atmospheric book for Adam. Just, I'm going. Uh, I'm going for like. I'm trying to get that fall aesthetic. You know, good. so I'm reading a bunch of some, some scarier books. I'm reading some some more. Mm-hmm. You know, moody book. It's yeah, all good. I actually had that intention as well. So I did. Um, this is my this is my other reference. We reference Henry. I'll reference South Park at some point. I'll get that in too. Um, f- you know, fall rolled around, and one night I was like, "Yo, I do not feel like reading for school," and I'm kind of caught up with stuff. And uh, I read Coraline by Neil Gaiman, mm. uh, and I read through the whole thing in like a night. But it was really, really good. It was really, really good. And I've never seen the movie, never read the book, so it was my first experience, and I loved it. So. You recommend um, I might crank that out if it's if it's a quick read. Dude, I read it in like four hours. You could probably read it quicker. I like like was, eight hours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I was taking like phone calls during it, and um, you know, just like trying to relax and everything. But it was really good, and then it has pictures, so you'll definitely enjoy it. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome for sure. Uh, but I loved Coraline. It was really really good. Uh, it's one of those ones where like it's scary for kids, but it just Neil Gaiman is just a master. I, w- I, I wish I could write like a, a quarter of. Wait, wait, wait. Neil, Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman? Is that. Yes. You have to get up there. Introduce. I, I, are we supposed to like carry over our characters from last season? Is this, is this a soft reboot or a hard reboot? Or like what's the content? I don't think it's a reboot. An I think it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuance. We're, oh, we're so it's not like over. American Horror Story where we're like. No. Totally different if it was, I wouldn't have mentioned Henry. Um, it, you know. You know. We, we, well, we have to have rehash. something so that's set in the same universe. Oh, that's right? a really good point. Like a you know, like a Stephen King type thing. No, no, no. We're good. Though. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that's sort of the, the opening topic. Do you have any specific questions about what's going on? Any updates from me about what's going on? Um, hmm. Been to a couple Gator games. Go Gators. We're number seven right now. Go Gators, it's amazing. Yeah, we're really, we're killing it. Having yeah, a great year. Very proud of them. Uh, I do have one question for you. Um, All right. Is Dennis still there? Is Dennis, Dennis is still, still there. He's not allowed on campus, but Dennis is He's still at the not Chipotle. On no, he, I think he has a lifetime ban now. So for those That's of you, good. those of you who don't know who Dennis is, um, he's this really like crazy bald short dude who stood in the middle of our free speech area and he would wear like basically a speedo or like a thong and yell at you about how you're not doing enough with technology to save the planet. And, um, some like the alligator, the school newspaper did a really good write up on him about, um, like they just kind of like investigated his background and they found out that he was just this guy who's super smart, but has like been dealing with mental illness and he doesn't want to seek treatment for it. But his parents also still support him. Like, you know, to like have an apartment and everything. So he's not homeless. And so he just kind of like creeps around campus and yells at people and try to get them to invest in like his website. 
Yeah, and he like went to the University of Florida too, right, for a time. Yeah, and then he dropped out, and then that's when. And then he, he went to like California or something. He's a, he's a weird dude. He's yeah. He seems harmless, but then he'll like scream at you. He's like one of those people where if you're just like crossing the road with your headphones yes. on. He'd be like, look at all these people. You're all standing next to each other and no one knows what's going on. He's like one of those yes. like, really weird, like trying to like unplug you from the Matrix guys. Even though he's, but he's wearing, wearing headphones. Thong. Yeah, and a thong. And it's funny because you know who's like 18 and just got to the university because they talked to Dennis. Yeah. They're like, oh, who's that's this guy? Thought... He seems like an innovator. Like, no, nah, he's just crazy. See, that's why I thought maybe Dennis would come back because there's a Dennis is like a cicada where it's like yes. he will get banned by a group who's like brave enough to be like Dennis is harassing people, get him off campus, and then he will be off campus for like four years. Once those people leave, yep, yeah. Once once those four people, once those people leave, the new group come in like oh you know this Dennis guy's not so bad. And it's like free Dennis, bring Dennis back, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, Dennis is on campus, and it's only a matter of time until he gets kicked off, and the cycle begins anew. Yeah, so I think it's permanent now, but maybe not. But yeah, no, it's great. And I for anyone who's sort of like half considering going back to school, whether or not it's just for an associates, whether or not it's for a bachelor's or anything like that, um, to get serious. Like I said, I was first generation. Uh, college student and I grew up in a really poor place I mean uh, my hometown isn't particularly the nicest place on earth I you know I you know I say that um, there are there are very nice parts so I will I will eat my words on that one Um, but like the elementary school that I went to the situation I was raised in obviously wasn't the best Um, but one of the things I always knew is that um, you know knowledge is power and it you know it can help you get out of situations. So I always really focused on like learning and acquiring more knowledge and just always finding a way to um, keep learning. And that was one, I mean, Ryan could probably attest to this. That was one thing like when I wasn't in school that I was still like, all right, I need to be learning something. Um, And so, you know, if you're out of school and you want to go back or you're just thinking about it, like take the plunge, like go ahead. Cause it's, to me, it's so rewarding and it's, um, there are definitely times where I sit there and I'm like, why am I learning about archaeology? But at the end of the day, I know that it's going to benefit me in some way. So that's my little inspiration. I'll go back to school if you can. You never know when you'll find yourself running from a rolling boulder and you'll just need to know something about archaeology to get out of it. Do you know how many fucking Indiana Jones jokes are made all the time? <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, I'll spare you. I'll spare you're, you. You're good. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll we'll move on. We see we're a little rusty. I you know I, I also before we go before we move on, I want to give a big shout out to everyone who did do a bonus episode for us. We oh, do yes. really appreciate it, and they were such a joy to listen to. They really were. Like I had fun, and I think it helped me realize like how we can improve. Just like hearing other people's take on it, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really nice, and I thought I thought they were entertaining. Um, I mean. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I really feel like everyone did a really, really good job and really entertaining. And we really appreciate you guys like putting the work in and, you know, uh, as all of our descriptions say, let us exploit you for free capital. I mean, yeah, it was just, it was a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> easiest, uh, easiest listens I've ever gotten. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, they were really, really entertaining. Um, I will, I'll, I'll shout everybody out real quick just because I don't want you guys to feel like we are. We're forgetting you because we definitely are not. Um, so it was Absurdist News, Definitely Inappropriate, Booze and Spirits, Drinkopedia, and then uh, The Great Scientists. And as of recording this, we haven't put them up yet, but hopefully by the time this comes out, we will also have 
the Movie Seller and uh, the Angry Dad podcasts. Mm. Hopefully their bonus episodes will be up too. And a podcast about something has one coming in November. So you guys rock, all eight of you. Yeah. Um, definitely inappropriate really wants us. It was sort of a, a collaboration with ideas, but they we came to uh, them wanting us to release the Golden Sucky. And uh, it would be our reward for the best guest spot. <laughs> the golden uh, oh, the I don't sucky. know if I could do that. We might have to do superlative suckies. Yeah, I think that's I think better. All of them yeah. do great things. In exactly. Ways. In their own ways. So we'll, we'll figure that out. But after we get one from a podcast about something, so it'll be in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But besides the golden suckies, I think it also proved a couple points. A, it's very hard to find fanfic because most of them were smutty. Um, it's very hard to find non-smutty fanfic. That's interesting. Unless you, gotta go, unless you write your own, unless you forge your own path. Yeah. Normal. Write your own. Yeah. Um, Mr. American gods over here. Drinkipedia. That was great. I, I really like that with the Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Uh, he knew, he knew exactly what to say to make me love it. Um, so, so fuck you for that one, Matt. Uh, by fuck you. I mean, thank you very much. It was great. Um, but no, yeah, I, 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 I think it, it proved that it's hard to find Interesting fix that aren't smutty, which, you know, kind of validates us a little bit because we do actually put some work into this sometimes. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it also, when you do like a reaction podcast like this, because that's basically what it is, like we're reacting to fanfics and like things that the other person brings to the table. It's really, and I, I, I'm not insulting anybody, but it's just like a, an observation. It's really easy to want to react to every single sentence. And there were some times when I was listening where I was like, don't fall into that trap. That's what I did. I regret it. Um, but people really maintained like a good bit of not doing that. You know what I mean? I'm not reacting to that question. Oh, fuck you. No, but no, you know what I mean though, right? Yeah, no, that was just, that was me being expert level, non-reactionary. As you being yeah, and I, I get what you mean. Cause you, you gotta let the peace breathe. That's, that's what yeah. this is all about. We're all about letting it stand on its own. Even yeah. if that's in all of its stark, horrifying, smutty glory, you've just got to let the words you know, hang there in the air. Yes. And on our first um, few episodes, the ones that you read the, the fic, I wanted to comment on every single sentence. And like, it got to the point where I'm like, I don't do that. Like, let it, like you said, let it breathe and like find a place that is insightful and funny or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, uh, it's nice to know that like, you know, it's like a natural, natural reaction. So moving past the golden suckies, I have the fanfic for this week. I would like for you to guess, Ryan, what the f- the fandom is. I will give you exactly one guess. And zero hints. I'll give you one hint to ask the question. What would be the biggest hint to you? Does <sighs> this have to be yes or no? No, I no, no, I'm not I'm not gonna be like that. What um what uh, medium does this fandom hail from? Television, oh. film, book, comic? I'm going to be very specific to try to help you out. Originally comic book, but turned to TV, specifically streaming. Oh. Doom Patrol? Doom Patrol. Nice. Yes. Nailed it. Doing Doom Patrol. Um, so last season, I talked a lot about Doom Patrol because I was watching it as it was coming out. I was stoked on it multiple times. And uh, it's just a very good show. Like, it's so solid. The character development in it is amazing. Um, do you want to explain Doom Patrol to the listeners who haven't uh, heard me rant about it already? Yeah. So I'm obviously not as super familiar with it as you are. But 
Doom Patrol, and you have to help me with the timeline. When did Doom Patrol first come out? It's a DC Comics property. Yes. When did it first come out? Um, I will get the exact date, like year for you, so I don't make myself look like a fool for being the comic book fan and not knowing the exact year, but I know it was in the 60s. Well, the, yeah, the important thing is that you have um, you have like a superhero team. Um, 1963. And they were kind of like these, 1963, and they were kind of like this anti-hero team before like really anti-heroes really took off. Yeah. Um, they are a group of outcasts. Um, let's call them mutants, if we will. Yeah, strange um, Led by a people. wheelbear, a wheel, a, a wheelchair-bound leader. Bald man. Um, yep. And they go on kooky adventures using their, you know, seemingly random powers together to save the world. And mm-hmm. all of this is DC, and it came out before X-Men. Yes. And there's, a, there's talk that Stan Lee directly ripped it. May or may not be true because they were separated by a few months with publishing and, you know, the arguments sort of out there of like whether or not he knew about Doom Patrol. There's someone who swears that they were an intern for Marvel and they knew that they, they knew about Doom Patrol and they ripped it. Um, but that, that doesn't really matter because X-Men's the biggest, bigger property and Doom Patrol's barely gets published nowadays. Yeah, um, and so they they kind of went dormant for a while too. Like yeah. I think they killed off all the old the original members. But uh, well, the really interesting yeah, basically this like go ahead. yeah. The the really interesting thing is um, the writers for Doom Patrol were so passionate about it, but they didn't want to make it so they could keep publishing it after they had done writing it. So they killed the characters off at the end, um, which is fitting because with the tone of the book and the tone of the characters and just what they do, I mean, it makes sense to just sort of off them. Um, and they didn't really return until I think the eighties, right? Eighties or nineties. Um, they might have come back before Grant Morrison, but that, Grant that was Morrison, the, the Grant Morrison run that had all those trades of, right? Yeah, um, he just right. jumped in. Grant Morrison jumped in, and he just really, really made it something, and it became big. And it was a Vertigo imprint, which is the same imprint as Sandman and Preacher and Why the Last Man and a couple other really, really big titles. Uh, v for Den- V for Vendetta, I believe, was Vertigo too, and. Uh, yeah, Doom Patrol just kind of really found its weird niche. And it, yeah, I, if you're a Doom Patrol fan, you're a Doom Patrol fan. And if you're not, you probably haven't heard of them. Mm-hmm. And the show on the DC Universe, they had a cameo in the Titans, um, which is their flagship live action show. And no one really like... Like Doom, the Doom Patrol episode of Titans was good, but it wasn't one where I was like, oh, this Doom Patrol TV show is going to be amazing. I just kind of watched it, and I was like, yeah, it could be interesting. And then the Doom Patrol show came out, and it just was next level. I mean, the like I said, character development's amazing. It's a very, very ensemble-driven show. Um, if I had to pick a main character, I'd probably say it's Robot Man, played by Brendan fucking yeah. Fraser, of all people. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's it's amazing. What what they do with Matt Bomber, who plays Larry Trainer slash Negative Man... His arc is probably the strongest, without a doubt. Um, even Rita, uh, who plays Elastic Woman, Elasta Woman, um, she's amazing. There's nothing about that show that's I can really pick apart, honestly. The only thing that I was uh, had a little bit of an aversion to is they made Cyborg one of the main characters who isn't traditionally associated with the Doom Patrol, um, but they've really, really found a way to integrate him uh, in a way that's like informed by the show, but also it doesn't set him in the doom patrol proper. If that makes any sense. 
But, so he, he doesn't have to stick around. He could be like, that could be like a rotating door, that spot. At the yeah. Door. If they wanted it to be, it's funny because the running joke is that he wants to be on the Justice League and he's like right. trying to do heroic things to prove to them that he could join and they just keep making fun of him for it. So I like but, how they, they've set it up in the show how it's like an application process. It's like your application yeah. to the Justice League has been denied for the following reasons. Da, 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 and it's like he's trying to get a job. It's exactly. And the really crazy thing is, I've read this article and I hadn't even noticed it because I, I don't really look at things this way. But it was it was an article that said like, "Why Doom Patrol is the most representative show for people with disability," and I was like, "What on earth are you talking about?" And then they kind of went through it, and it was about how Robot Man um, was in one giant prosthetic, and Rita had um, like body dysmorphia issues, and uh, Negative Man had burn, you know. Uh, burn scars and they just kind of went down the line with a lot of the characters um jane has like extensive mental illness and uh it was interesting because it's like yeah i guess if you look at it that way they're all you know pretty inclusive characters and pretty uh pretty different characters like they're 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 considered like the strange and like the weird heroes of dc Mm -hmm. but it's done so in a way where you're not thinking about that you know what i mean you're not looking at them that way but they just are Right, and and you're 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 probably gonna hate this, but for anybody who's like, you know, not sure about it, or haven't seen it, it's like watching like a a team of Deadpool's do a TV show. Like that's the oh like fuck it's, you, like, funny, it's crass. Fuck you, but that's that's like for a layman, fuck you. such as myself. Fuck you. That you, is it's uh, not a layman; it's a normie. The, uh, <laughs> that would be that would be what my I would pitch it to like a rando off the street. I will say one of one of my favorite parts of that show that I thought was super funny is they were talking about this like there's one episode it's really early on so I'm not spoiling anything really and they they kept talking about this like the villains kept talking about this weird dimension called like Nerfheim something like that and um they keep referencing it and you're like all right that's weird and then at one point Robot Man and Crazy Jane um yes that's her name I understand I said she has mental illness like extreme mental illness but that's her name and um Robot Man and Crazy Jane like you know, get in this conversation, like get sucked to this portal and like wake up and Brendan Fraser looks around and he goes, is this Nerfheim? Are we in goddamn fucking Nerfheim? And I don't know why, but that killed me. It was just so good because the entire yeah. time the villains are talking about Nerfheim and you're like, what the fuck's Nerfheim? That's so stupid. And then they get transported to Nerfheim and you're like, oh my God. Cause you just thought they were like being crazy and they weren't. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. It's one of the shows that is intentionally going to subvert your expectations. It's intentionally going to be extremely weird. Um, and it's one of the shows that you just kind of have to commit to. Like, uh, one of the characters that I'm going to read a story for, I'll start with this one. Um, it's Danny, the talking street and Danny is a non-binary gender sentient street. And, uh, it can, uh, they can teleport and go to different places. And I'm sorry, in, I'm sorry. Did you say street? Yes. Street. Like a road. Yes. But with shops and like a movie theater. Oh, uh, okay. Danny is a part of the doom patrol and is a character. And, uh, it, they become sort of like a haven for outcasts. And if you're like a weird person who's getting, um, you know, pursued or is in an uncomfortable spot, Danny will like teleport to you. You, you know, like not without you knowing, you just kind of stumble upon Danny and, uh, some people stay and never leave or some people go and kind of get what they need and uh, get back. Oh, wow. Danny's like the hotel California. Yeah. But the most powerful moment with, 
uh, negative man, Larry Trainer, aka Matt Bomer, uh, takes place in Danny on Danny. It's in a building of Danny on Danny Street. Um, to give context with negative man, his arc is that he was a fighter pilot in the sixties who became a, an experimental test pilot who, even though he had a wife and kids was gay and, um, his lover was a part of the, the, the test crew. And so they, you know, were in love with each other and he, he, you know, he loved his wife and his kids in the sense that someone in that position would, where they still love them, but you can tell that that's not where his heart is. And, uh, he gets really selfish and he basically says like, you know, I'm not going to leave the air force for you to his lover. Um, I want to be on the Apollo or, you know, I want to be a, an astronaut and I'm going to keep being a test pilot. And he goes up in an X 15 flies through this weird cloud crashes, burns a bunch and wakes up. And there's this like sentient electrical being that's in him called the negative man. And, uh, so he's immortal now, but he's permanently burned. So his whole story arc is basically just dealing with the fact that he's never going to get better and he made some pretty bad decisions and he's still not comfortable with who he is. And so, um, there's a very powerful moment that he has on Danny street. Um, right. And he's, he's a bit like the Hulk too, in the sense that like whenever he tries to you know, yeah. do something to better a situation or maybe even off himself, the negative man will come out of him and, and prevent it from happening. Yeah. And they, their relationship evolves throughout the show. And by the end, you kind of get the sense that he's going to learn how to control it and can actually be conscious when it comes out. Um, but he's not gone to that point yet. Um, it's just, God, it's such a good show. I really, really do enjoy it. So the first story is called lost on Danny street. I'm, I'm doing a couple of smaller stories. Okay. So the first one's called Lost on Danny Street. And the reason why I want to do a couple small ones is because in the same sense as Sandman, I think, at least for the TV show, the Doom Patrol stories really work well when they're sort of um, character-driven and focused on one thing and not like a big mm. overarching plot. Okay. Um, so I, I like this one, and I, I hope you guys enjoy it too. It's called Lost on Danny Street. It's on Archive of Our Own. It's written by Moon Fairy Draws. So the the, the note is... Originally made in honor of International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. The story is about a very special little girl who gets lost in a very special street. This happened a little bit ago. Back then, her family still called her by that name. She remembered that day, even the outfit she was wearing. A blue striped shirt and overalls with a red car on the front. She'd protested the outfit, but all her other clothes had been dirty from an earlier tantrum. It had actually been so bad her older sister, Lonnie, had lamented and given her her phone to watch The Little Mermaid. But of course, she'd gotten bored and put it in her little pink purse. They'd gone to get her new shoes, and she desperately wanted a pair of sneakers with pink sequins and baby blue laces and a Little Mermaid on the side. But when she went to put them on the counter, her, money, uh, her mommy... Hmm, sorry. When she went to put them on the counter with her money, a lady had put another pair in front of her. Wouldn't you prefer these instead? They have sharks on them. No, I don't like sharks. I like mermaids. See, I got one on my purse. She showed the lady. Don't be silly. Purses are for girls, not boys. This made her uh -oh. cry. Why couldn't she have the sneakers that she wanted? Why couldn't she have a purse? She'd run out of the small store, run as fast as her little legs could take her. She'd probably run two blocks before she realized it. Papa, Sissy, Gracie, where are you? She was lost. Lost on an unfamiliar street. That's when Lonnie's phone had sung some Jonas Brothers songs. Sissy's phone? Oh, thank the universe. 
Her dad had been crying. Son, where are you? She looked up at the nearest green street sign. The green sign says, duh. Sound it out, sweetie, Lonnie had said over the phone. Like the lions do on the TV. Duh. Mm, why? Satarita. Oh, Danny Street. That's when the phone had beeped. Sissy, the screen is black. Fix it. But her sister wasn't there to plug the phone in. She'd lost her connection to her family. It just made her cry more. That's when words appeared on the pavement in front of her. What's, what, what's, wa-ru-ong-ga, ronga. I don't know. Danny, baby, I don't think he's that advanced of a reader. A voice came from behind her. It was a nice lady with a really nice hair and pretty makeup. Like Ursula. She loved Ursula. Um, so to put this in context, in the episode with Danny Street, the big one with um, Negative Man, there is a uh, drag show that takes place on Danny Street. And early in the episode, they show someone who is hunting Danny to um, destroy it. And he walks into Danny Street and realizes that it's a safe place and uh, realizes that he doesn't want to be a you know undercover agent anymore. He wants to be in drag. And he wants to do drag shows, and he feels more comfortable that way. And so this is that person. Because Ursula from The Little Mermaid um, was based off of a very famous drag performer, for those, that you, those of you who don't know. Really? I did not know that. You didn't know that? Ursula was based off no. of a drag performer. Yes. I don't see anything in here about Ursula. Oh, there we go. Divine was an inspiration for Ursula the Sea Witch, the villain in the 1989 Disney animated film Little Mermaid, due to Divine's portrayal of Edna Turnblad in the original comedy film Hairspray. What? Yep. yep. Later musical adaptations of Hairspray have commonly placed male actors in the role of Edna. Huh. Yep. But yes, so so Ursula was based off of a drag queen, and um, so she looks up, sees the character that was in the show, and connects her to Ursula, which I think is very clever on this writer's part. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't know that. That's, yeah. a, that's a deep hit. Yeah, I'm, I try to come up with the deep cuts. She loved Ursula, so her little brain had told her to run up and hug this lady. Can your eel friends bring back my papa and sissies? I'll give you my favorite dolly. She'd pulled it out of her bag and given it to the woman. The look on her face was sad before she realized what she'd meant, handing back her toy. Oh, you don't need to give Miss Mora your dolly. Why don't we get that phone of yours working again and get you all cheered up? Do you like ice cream? Uh-huh. My favorite is chocolate with rainbow sprinkles and star sprinkles and blueberries. Well, what a coincidence. Just, I'm sorry. I know you said another comment on everything, but that sounds like just the worst combo. No, I mean, I'm not telling you not to comment on everything. You you could definitely and comment I'm, I'm, on I'm things. breaking etiquette here. I'm, You're not I'm breaking disappointing any etiquette. All oh, my God. Fuck you. Um, but that uh, that yeah. combination sounds just wretched. Yeah, I probably would not eat that. I mean, just to... I mean, I'm, I, I like ice cream, but I don't go out of my way to eat ice cream anyways. So, anyways. Well, what a coincidence. Maura had smiled and pointed at a counter where a beautiful ice cream dish sat, overfilling with blueberries and rainbows and shiny stars. Star sprinkles. While she gobbled up the treat, Maura had wiped off the gooey mess along with her tears. Now, sugar, you have to tell me what I can call you. Well, it's Teddy, but I don't like it. She frowned, letting ice cream drip onto her overwall, overalls. I thought Sophie could be my name, but there's a Sophia in my class at school, and she's really mean. I don't want to be mean. Then I thought maybe Zoo, but that's not right either. I can't be Zoo. Mora giggled. What was weird was that it also felt like the street was giggling too, but streets don't giggle. What about Sophie? It's a little combo, spelled Z-O-P-H-I-E. I like that, she smiled. 
Just call me Zophie Jones. Well, it's nice to meet you, Zophie Jones. Mora shook her hand. Aw, I want ice cream too, Zophie heard Gracie's voice behind her. Papa, can I get some ice cream too? Sure, there was her papa. Theo, I'm really sorry. I turned my back for one second and that lady hurt your feelings. But you can't just run away like that. Not Theo, Zophie, she'd corrected him as Grace had gobbled up and magically poofed strawberry uh, sherbet. It would be the first of many, but this was the most important thing to her. More important than some sparkly pink shoes. Zophie, okay, he'd hugged her close. Promise me, though, you come to me if that happens again. Yes, Papa. Well, after Miss Mora called, I did make a stop. He pulled out a familiar box. My dolphin shoes, can I wear them now? First, we should probably get you a bath and a nice nap. Does that sound good, little prince? No, Papa. She's a little princess, Gracie corrected. Right. Okay, Papa. Zophie had climbed into her Papa's arms. Bye, Ursula. Bye, Zophie. Mora had ruffled her hair. And remember, Danny the Street and me will just be a phone call away if you need somewhere to go. Mora slipped Lonnie's phone in Zophie's purse. That's when she saw two words on the ground. Bye, Zophie. Bye, Danny. She hadn't known it, but she'd find herself on that street many times after that. Whenever she'd needed a safe haven or somewhere to just have a friendly talk, she turned the corner, and it always seemed to say Danny Street. The ice cream counter isn't there anymore, but what was always, uh, but what was always had a flair about it. But hey, even a sentient street knows that sometimes all you need is a friend, and maybe something more filling than chocolate ice cream with rainbow and star sprinkles. Finn. Question about Danny Street. Let me have it. Do you age on Danny Street, or is it like never, never land? They don't really address that. I would have to assume so. Because you, like, you don't have to stay on Danny Street if you don't want to. But just a lot of people want to. Hmm. Yeah. But that was nice. You know, I, I, I'm a sucker. I always, it, it brings us back to that Hogwarts um, uh, uh, squip that, that we, uh, or not Oh, squip, these little powerless bones. Zone. What's that? These little powerless bones? Yes. Um, yeah, the the drabble that we read. And it just mm-hmm. gets me hyped when it like tells you a story, but then it like progresses through like a timeline really quick, and it's like yeah. I feel like yeah, I know what's going on right now. Like it's like tells the story of a, of a little girl getting lost, and then it's like yeah, and then any time for the rest of her life, she was always able to go back. I don't know why, but it's always just like it's like a nice, it's a nicer version yeah. of Happily Ever After, where they like yeah. detail like what happens absolutely ever after. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so what you think? So yeah, that was that was really nice. Um, Good. That was really nice, I guess. So I, I kind of got, maybe I just got lost there in the middle. So like she just got lost. And then uh, this, um, this other, the, the person who was formerly the agent or whatever, what was yeah. the person's name? Uh, Miss Mora. Miss Mora. So Miss Mora just like phoned the family and the family yeah. just walked into Danny street. And yeah. It was all good. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say, I think Danny, like once Danny realized that they would be, uh, consider of Zophie, he like, or they uh, appeared to the family. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, okay. that's so how like, I read it. Danny saw this, this little, this, um, this little girl like mm-hmm. zipping out of yep. the a department store and Danny just like slid right in. It was like, Oh, I'm going to be there. So she, yes. so she walked right out to Danny street. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about Danny Street. That's a really cool idea. What does that come? Is that like a new it's a Grant concept, Morrison thing. Danny Street? Or... It's a Grant Morrison thing. Okay. He's so weird. It's so like an 80s thing. Yeah, it's a Grant Morrison thing. He's I as crazy as nice. Alan Moore. Um, yeah, so that was the first one. The next one is called You Have Me. 
The summary is musing on the 60 year codependent friendship between Larry and Rita, which is negative man and plastic woman. In 1969, Rita and Larry, heavily drunk, watched the moon landing. Larry was transfixed and said that if he could, he would have cried over it. Rita said it must be fake. Larry said it was real. He'd nearly been in orbit, and because of that, he should know. Rita said it couldn't have been possible because she had been on a soundstage for real, and not nearly been on a soundstage, and so she would know, and that those men in suits were clearly on a soundstage. Um, that's sort of like the little summary for it, and then this is the story. I like that. That's good. It's the perspective of two people. One person who was like ardently yeah. supportive of and very involved in the space program. And then an actor is like, nah, it's BS. I know yeah. better. That's BS. And it is very, very true to their personalities. Cause Rita, her whole arc is like overcoming the fact that she was this big Hollywood starlet in the thirties. And then she had this crazy weird accident and could no longer be an actress. So, just try supporting me for once. Jane has Cliff. Who do I get? It was 1964 everywhere but the manor until the chief burst through the doors that day. Rita hadn't seen him for almost three months. It must have been a Monday or a Thursday. Days went the way of years when she was alone, categorized by how they felt rather than what they were. And she was always alone. Rita and her screen reflection. Rita and her mirror reflection. Sometimes monstrous and mocking. Rita alone in the silent drawing room, the only human... Warm contact her own skin uh, with her own now alien skin. The body of a stranger that she didn't understand but wore her face. Do you want to explain um, what Rita's like issue was? I don't know if I 100% understand it, but Rita was like a was like a starlet. Yeah. Rita was like a starlet of the, the, the 40s, like the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. And... Um, so she was shooting... I guess she was shooting in like South America or Africa or something. Yeah, one of those places. Um, they don't, and I, she, I think like, Africa stumbles upon some like sacred ground or water or something, and and her skin takes on this like elastic quality. So it for the longest time she she like doesn't control it. So it just like begin, like her skin just becomes like droopy and like fall apart. Yeah, but so as she turns grows, into a blob. Yeah, yeah, she yeah she more like becomes like amorphous. Yeah, but um, but I mean at once that also like keeps her young. She has like elastic skin. Um, so she stays young for like forever. Um, but then over time she learns to harness it and she can becomes like Elastigirl from the Incredibles where she can like stretch and like do crazy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the big issue is that, um, even 60 years later, um, she's still really impulsive. And so when something happens, she can't help it, but she like turns droopy basically like her foot gets really big or her, like leg does and her face starts to droop and it's like this mm. anxiety issue. And that's oh yeah, of, she was a big time prima donna. So like, if anything gets to her, which it always does, it kind of manifests itself that way. Yeah, and so like she, um, when she gets her anxiety, yeah, she like starts to droop. At one point, she like falls through uh, an air conditioning grate, and she can't help it. And uh, so it's also like her not being able to control her body, which kind of feels, you know, it's, it's something she has to deal with. And so. Um, for most of her life, she just kind of like shuts herself into her room and she watches old movies of herself where she still felt confident. She's a mixture of Mr. Fantastic and that kid from sky high who can just melt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, uh, I guess spoiler alert, she really only stretches once in the entire first season, but when she does it, it it's important and you cheer it on. Oh, I've seen that episode. That's yeah, the only time. That's the only time she stretches in the entire show. 
Because she still, the it wasn't really Rita's season, which is unfortunate, because I think that actress, April Bulby, I think she does amazing things with that character, and I think they could literally just do an entire show about Rita. They could do an entire show about any of these characters, but that would it would make the show like lose its meaning. Their characters would lose their meaning because they're supposed to be an ensemble. Right. Um, but Rita in particular, I, I, I don't regret what they did with her because I think it was great, but I just wish they had done so much more without mm-hmm. taking from anybody else. I wish the show was... 30 minutes longer each episode just in general and they could have added more Rita but obviously there's time limits and I think next season is going to focus on her quite heavy well that's good yeah so this has been more seasons okay so this so this is about Rita and um and negative man yeah Larry um it's it's Rita and Larry and they are um it's it's more about their relationship through the years of them Mm -hmm. like uh, kind of leaning on each other. And for the long time, they're the only two like weirdos, quote unquote, that um, the chief who is their professor, Xavier, the chief has living with him. So they kind of have to be around each other. You know, they, they, they are dependent on each other. But someone other than Rita was on that stretcher. The chief told her to stay back, that it was dangerous. She decided as much before that the figure must have been unconscious. I shut. From behind a doorframe, she watched his scorched and sticky forearms slip under the sheet over the body. Eyes burned away? It didn't comfort the agoraphobia, the fear of being known. It had, after all, been only a decade, but nevertheless, she continued to look until the chief took him to the lab. She didn't see the figure after that, but in a way, she and the body became close. While the chief was occupied controlling the dangerous levels of radiation he explained were coming off of the body, he tasked Rita with outfitting one of the guest rooms. For Larry, as chief said, Larry... Such a, us- un- uh, such a usual name for a radioactive body. I think they meant unusual. While she affixed special metal panels to the wall of the guest room, she imagined Larry's usual life, the kind she would never have again. Of course, she assured herself um, her life as a starlet was never usual. But she played a housewife a few times in Southwestern Be- Bell and Winds of August. <laughs> Maybe Larry came home to... Yeah, and she always re- is referring to her movies. Maybe Larry came home to a wife and children. Maybe he ate his meatloaf, embraced his wife, read to his children, and then went to sleep with a warm body at his side. The thought began to depress her. Now that he was in the bands of the chief, hands of the chief, he would live, but never again in that usual way. When the house guest was ready to move into his own room, Rita tried to be as hospitable as possible, despite the nerves she was feeling. With one hand pressed to a trembling cheek, she smiled as Chief led the now mummified figure into the room. She couldn't see his expression, of course, but his stooped figure and dragging heels told her all she needed to know about his emotional state. She would have been the same had she not been a literal puddle at the time. Welcome, Mr. Trainer, she shouted, much louder than she intended. When one has, uh, when one never has to speak to anyone, one tends to lose the ability to regulate their decibels. The chief dropped Larry's duffel bag into the room. Larry, this is Rita. She's lived here for a while now. Spends more time at home than me. I'm sure you'll get to know each other well soon enough. He then walked out, despite Rita's protests. Mr. Trainer had already seen enough of him for a lifetime, he said, and duty called, he said. Larry seemed to stare at Rita for a long moment. She felt the skin on her cheek under her palm groan under, groan under its own weight. She pushed her, pushed her palm up further. Finally, he slumped down into the wire frame bed and wrapped his head in his hands without so much a word. Rita exhaled shortly and nervously. Well, Larry, I, I suppose you need some time to settle. If you need anything, I'm right down the hall, but um, try not to need anything too much and knock first. Try not to need anything too much, and knock first. He didn't give any indication that he was listening. Okay, uh, she backed out of the room nervously, backwards. Toodaloo, 
Toodaloo. Good God, Rita, you're a Golden Globe-nominated actress. The weeks passed. The chief came and went. Larry never left his room. Rita continued to knit, look at regular pictures and moving pictures of Rita, and a few times a day place a full plate of food in the containment chamber before Larry's room. Then months passed, more of the same. Until one day, Rita wasn't watching Rita on the television alone. Larry lowered himself, painfully it seemed, onto the couch next to Rita. She didn't dare say anything that would scare him off. She just focused on herself, on the screen, and self-centered herself in the med uh, meditation of it. So you are her, he mumbled quietly. She barely heard. Hmm? Rita Farr. Music to her ears. Yes, I am, she noticed. He sat a little straighter, his chin a little up. Hers, now sky high at all times, got a little bit higher. Hmm, my mother loved your movies. She'd make me go to every one uh, every time I was in town from the academy. I'd always think, how many movies can one woman make? Around 35. So that's it. I watched some with her and then some with my friend John. He was, uh, well, he was also a big fan. Oh? He should be here, sitting with you. Well, no, he shouldn't, but he grew even quieter and his voice trembled. He should be and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Now, Larry, no talking while I'm on the screen, she intervened gently, but firmly, recognizing the emotional spiral he was sliding down. That's the only rule here, well, besides the other rules. She pointed to the screen and smiled softly as he followed the gesture. Besides, we all have things we can't yet say. It's been ten years for me. Not that I don't hope that sometime you may want to tell me. All right, Ryan, what the fuck, dude? Did I get you self-conscious with not wanting to, like, comment? No, dude, I'm engrossed. I'm engrossed. There's a lot. To... You know, what's really what's really crossing my mind here is like how like large properties like an Avengers or something can just yeah. have so much garbage fan fiction, but then something like this can be, you know, it's very obscure. It's very niche. Yeah. And then it has something that's so like thoughtfully written, like somebody, yeah. there's a lot going on here, but it's just a simple conversation. Like somebody put a lot of thought and time into how these characters, the beginnings of their relationship and like how that would work out. What it would I absolutely be like. agree. I and, absolutely. And agree. someone also like really, you know, took care in capturing the exact voice of these characters. Mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm listening. I'm locked in. I'm blown away that like 99% of big, big budget fanfic, if you will, is just like, you know, yeah. Guy, you know, two, two, two guys going to town on each other. Just railing then, each other. And then this is, uh, this is just so like so uh, nuanced. I feel like I'm watching a Netflix show right now. Okay, good. No, that that makes me really happy. Like, and I think partially, um, you know, I know I annoy people, but that's why I haven't really ever been into those big properties because it's just like I feel like when you when you create specifically for a mass audience, you lose some heart. And like, I'm very secure with the fact that I'm not going to enjoy everything that ever comes out. And that's totally okay. Like maybe some things, I hate this term, maybe some things aren't made for me. And by made for me, I don't mean but like demographically. I mean just my tastes. And, um, you know, I guess if you like Doom Patrol, you like it. You know what I mean? And you're going to sit there and you're going to write a nuanced piece about two characters that is very character-driven itself. Like it's very like character and ensemble-driven. But like I'm just, I mean, you know, even if I don't keep going, I think these two fix alone are, are pretty stellar, honestly. Yeah, no, I just I like I just like the thoughtfulness of it. Like they're yeah. really, it's I don't know what the they're not trying to exploit these characters for just a, a no. gas. Which don't get me wrong, I love those fanfics. I love them very much. Yeah, but they're just whoever's writing this is just just putting it out there. You know, flexing Good. their muscles. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoy it. 
Um, so I'll keep going. Uh, he remained silent. She swirled her Manhattan around in its glass. You know already this life, this unending life, is difficult. A much happier on-screen Rita performed a proud monologue in between her pauses. One day you are a star at the top of her gang, and Frank Sinatra offers you a drink and shares his cigarettes at your premiere, and the next day you're in a mental hospital in Cape Town wearing the skin off of your arms with your teeth. Tearing the skin off your arms with your teeth. She laughed sadly, but gently, sweetly. Although I suppose you don't have an agent to cover for your disappearance by saying that you became pregnant and quit Hollywood in order to start your family away from all the flashbulbs. That's funny, Larry replied in a much steadier voice. I didn't hear that. I heard you became a drunk. <laughs> hmm. She downed the drink in her glass, snapping the toothpick along with the cherry in her mouth. It's good to finally meet you, Larry. Now, are you going to be impolite or will you be having a Manhattan too? I suppose I could use one. Oh, you deserve one. And so the months became years. In 1969, Rita and Larry, heavily drunk, watched the moon landing. Larry was transfixed and said that if he could, he would have cried over it. Rita said it must be fake. Larry said it was real. He'd nearly been in orbit, and because of that, he should know. Rita said it couldn't have been possible, because she had been on a soundstage for real, and not nearly been on a soundstage, and so she would know that those men in the suits were clearly on a soundstage. In March of 1970, Larry told Rita all about John. Rita told Larry about her arranged celebrity marriage to a gay star. In June of 1970, Rita told Larry about her baby. Oh, that's nice. I really like that. That's, yeah. I like, and then again, as stated in the previous fic, our timeline is accelerating. So I'm just, I'm getting hyped. Dude. Yes. Like you can't even see me. I'm like pacing. I'm just hyped. You're going to like this because it's, it's just going to, it's going to go out, go on from here. Um, in June of 1970, Rita told Larry about her baby. In 1971, Rita met the negative spirit and gave it a stern talking to. In 1972, Larry talked Rita out of a panic attack and helped her gather her shoulder and right ear off of the bathroom floor. In 1973, Rita gifted Larry his first orchid, given to her originally by the chief when she had arrived. Um, Larry is a very big gardener in the show. He likes to garden. He likes to cook because he can't go out of the house. So he has like a lot of hobbies. In 1973, Rita gifted Larry his... Uh, so that one? In 1976... It is possible that Larry saved Rita from death by Hammerhead, which is one of Crazy Jane's personalities. Every one of her personalities. So Crazy Jane, I didn't explain her. Crazy Jane, she, um, is the right word schizophrenic, where you have different personalities? Mul she's per multiple personality disorder. It's so. like there's a train going through her mind, and each boxcar contains a different person. I think that's actually one of the metaphors they use. That is the exact metaphor they use. Okay. Um, so she's multiple personality disorder. Um, what is it, 64 personalities? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and each one of them has a specific power. So Hammerhead is the angry personality and has super strength. Um, it is possible that Larry saved Rita from death by Hammerhead. In 1977, Rita knit her fourth sweater for Larry, and that one he actually liked. In 1980, Rita persuaded Larry to put makeup over his bandages to make him look, <laughs> look more lively. In 1989, Larry and Rita and Cliff... Whoa, who whoa, was, whoa that's, a, that's a very big jump from 80 to 89. I told you, what it accelerates. It accelerates. Um, in 1989, Larry and Rita and Cliff, who is Robot Man, a.k.a. Brendan Fraser, watched the Berlin Wall come down. It didn't compare to life at the manor. Now they had a Robot Man in the basement. In 1977, Cliff persuaded Larry to let her paint his bandages again. Makeup looked more natural now than it did in the 80s, he said. Larry acquiesced. After it was done, he looked like Rita. Rita said, he looked so handsome. In, 19, or in 2018, Rita said to Larry, just try supporting me for once. Jane has Cliff. Who do I get? And Larry, for a moment, staring down the barrel of over half a century of friendship and intimate cohabitation, 
of movie nights and crying nights, of screaming and shouting and laughing and drinking, should have said, It's me, you have me. Except he didn't. He said nothing. And Rita, knowing Larry perhaps better than Larry wanted to know himself, walked away during that silence she expected so much. And Larry, knowing Rita perhaps better than Rita wanted to know herself, knew that her walking away was just Rita running from fear. He decided to stand up for something, this one time in decades, to show her that there was nothing to be afraid of. She would realize eventually, in her own, prideful time as Rita was wont to do. And in the meantime, whether she realized it or wanted it or not, she would always have Larry. And hmm. I believe that was a reference to the first episode, second episode, where um, Jane and Cliff, Robot Man, want to go look for the chief because he's missing and Rita does not. And Larry sides with them and not her. Mm. Oh, okay, that's why she's upset. I believe that's the reference. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and I didn't really, I didn't really get where that's going from, but I did like the, uh, I did like, I like, okay, so now I like that this is, this is a good fanfic. This is like somebody who took one moment from the show mm-hmm. and, you know, it, ha- it I remember that scene. It has some emotional impact, but they were able to really imagine that moment in context of like two people who've lived together. Cause like when I was watching, I'm like, Oh, here's two new characters. Oh, and they're arguing. They're not getting along. But this person like was able to immediately get, Oh wow. These are people who've cohabitated for 50 years. And maybe mm-hmm. they started off terse and personal and now they're really good friends in their own way. And this is, this is more of a betrayal than even maybe the show is letting on. So they saw the, the possibility through there. Yes. And I, I this like person that. is a screenwriter's dream. That's some world screenwriter just right has there. to drop a little, a little hint, and this person will build out the world for them. Mm-hmm. Do all the work for him. And that was yeah. written by Charlotte Anka on Archive of Our Own. It's called "You Have Me." Mm. Mm, I quite like that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one that is really—it's—it's it's like a—it's almost free form. Um, I wanted to read it, but. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll save it. I'm gonna save it. Um, if people if people no because it's when you hear what it is you're gonna be like oh of course but it's it's interesting so I'm gonna save it but I'm gonna do this other one that I have um, that focuses on Cliff Robot Man. Okay. Okay. So the thing about Cliff is um, his big arc is that he was a terrible human being. He was a race car driver from Daytona, which uh, anytime Florida is mentioned in anything. Um, I get excited, so Cliff automatically became my favorite character. But they're also anytime Florida's ever mentioned anything, whoever's from Florida is like a terrible person or crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. you get the good, you get the bad. You mm-hmm. take it all, and then you have the facts of life. So we have Cliff, who was a bad person. Uh, I think the very first episode, he's like cheating on his wife, and um, you see tit, and um, you know, besides cheering a little bit, my first reaction was. Um, oh shit, that's this kind of show. Sick. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's what the show's going to be. Um, but he's like straight up cheating on his wife with the daughter in the house. Like, he does not give a shit because he's such a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets in a racing accident and he becomes a brain in a metal body. And his daughter thinks he's dead. And all he wants to do is reconnect with her, but he knows that he can't because it's been to put too long. It in more, more terms, as I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to do this for the listener. It's like if you ever watched the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, you know that brain that lives in like a, in a bear. Did you ever uh, watch that show? It's been a while since I watched that show. There was like a purple bear, and it had like a brain inside of it. The brain okay. was like an evil ex scientist. So yeah, they put the brain inside the inside the robot box instead. 
Okay. Yeah. I guess that's, that's, that's similar to it then. So this is called to dad. You're my hero. You're my hero. To oh, dad, boy. Comma, Here we you're go. my hero. Written by send flares again on archive of wrong. I feel like I know where this is going. Here we, here we go. I'm settling in. There's a strange thing walking up to her. Each step, a heavy clunking wheeze. He helps her stand on the rickety box, hesitant for a reason she's unaware of. By the end of her speech, Clara is overwhelmed, taken by grief, her speech loud and rifled with memories of her dad. When she's done and her tears dry, it doesn't occur to her to look for the strange thing. A voice echoes at the back of her mind. Clara Steele is a brave, bold girl. She knows this because people told her all the time how strong she was. Only five years old and recovery from a car crash. She's ten now and still doesn't know why her dad's smile goes stiff when she goes, Daddy, why don't I have a mom? She understands death now, the brave, bold girl she is. Why won't anyone tell her what happened to her mom? She's fifteen when she discovers what happened. Her dad sits across from her in the living room. A clock ticks in the background. Don't you dare think this makes you my father any less, Clara says, still bidden by shock. He smiles, though, and all is all right. Um, so this is, uh, you find out, spoiler alert, um, that Cliff's best friend adopts her, but he gets really pissed off about that. Cliff does. Okay, because he, so he, he's in a car accident with his wife and daughter in the car, right? It's a spoiler, but yeah. That, what that happens in the first episode? Mm, does he find that in the first episode? Oh, I guess he does. Well, he find, he, I thought, she, no, I see, I thought his daughter was, was also a ca- casualty of the, of the accident. That's what you're meant to believe. Ah. But his best friend, from when he was a human being and not a robot, adopts her, and he gets pissed off, and then he finds out that his best friend died. So he decides that he wants to go to the funeral and reconnect with his daughter. So when she gives the speech about her dad, um, that was Cliff, like, helping her stay on top of a box when she's talking about his best friend. Mm. So it's like a super painful moment and you're like, oh, I feel so bad for Cliff because he just wants to reconnect with her, but he knows he was a shitty dad and maybe she was better off that he wasn't in her life. Right. So he's, he's getting to hear her life through the lens of my father was so great and he is not the father in the situation. Yes. Wow. Um, look at him go. Cliff Steele, champion of two races so soon into the season, manages to shoot into first position, barely avoiding a crash with second in the head. Jones. The crappy television shuts off and a remote is thrown against the wall. It shatters, plastic cracking into minuscule parts, battery slumping against the carpet. The plasma glow from the television continues to wane. Her dad is wide-eyed, staring at the gift presented to him. Clara hesitantly holds the gold watch out to him. After Bump, that's his friend, Bump is what he called him. After Bump takes it, he thumbs the engraving for hours. They go out for dinner later on and laugh about the time he broke his leg teaching her to ride a bike. Their family isn't a plastic TV remote. It's fixable. She's officially abducted the next day. Clara Weathers. When the funeral is finished and the majority have gone home, it doesn't feel real. Here she is, at her dad's funeral. How does that even happen? How the fuck does God take her dad away and the world goes on? But she knows he wouldn't want her cursing the heavens above, and that makes it harder. Because how can she pretend the one family she has isn't gone? And what a death it was, Jesus Christ. There's a strange thing walking up to her. Each heavy step... Each, each step, a heavy, clunking wheeze. He's from the funeral, but his costume is now covered in moss and droplets of water. She frantically blinks away tears. Baffled by this person in front of her, but not too baffled, of course, because Bump knew a wide variety of people, the eccentric soul he was. Claire is about to com- comment on the amazing work. What an amazing piece. Are you a cosplayer? Until he pulls yeah. out something. 
It's covered in algae, but she knows it. His voice continues on. She doesn't hear it. Why does she... he so much... have so much algae on him? I'm very confused. Okay. So, obviously, Bump was living in Florida. Right. And guess how Bump died? Uh, he Something with an alligator. He was on bath salts, and he got eaten by an alligator while wrestling it. No bath salts, but there was an alligator that had been like really aggressive in the community, so he decided he was going to go and kill it, and it killed him. So that's like the story they give. And Robot Man, Cliff, hears that. And um, the watch they're referring to is actually a watch that was his. That was Cliff's. Um, but when he died, they gave it to Clara. And then Clara mm-hmm. um, got it engraved to Dad, You're My Hero, and gave it to Bump. Oh. And so yes. f- for Cliff, he was really pissed, and all he wanted was to get the watch back. So what's really funny, um, do you remember where I, where I went for my 21st? Uh, Okefenokee, what is it called? The Okefenokee Swamp. Okefenokee Swamp. This yeah. episode takes place in the Okefenokee Swamp. Um, so Cliff goes wading out in the middle of the Okefenokee Swamp with Rita. Um, she's on a boat. And uh, he just walks through the water because he's a robot. And uh, he fights this alligator. There's a very dramatic and not believable moment where the alligator jumps out of the water like 10 feet and charges after him. Um, but it freeze frames right before they make contact with each other. Oh, sweet dude. Like Rocky. Yes. Nice. It's really nice. Um, and so he comes crawling out of the water and he killed the gator apparently and pulled the, the watch that bump was wearing when he got eaten out of oh. the gator's belly. <laughs> So it's very much like a Peter Pan, Captain Hook, like he's yes. eating the whole thing. Yeah, I did not get that reference, but I think that's what they're going for. Uh, the, the the Peter Pan. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's covered in moss because he just crawled out of a swamp after saving the. Oh, so he, and then he leaves, and he goes right to the funeral from the swamp. No, the the funeral already happened. This is him going back to find her afterwards. I thought people had dispersed from. The, okay, okay. Yeah, like the funeral had happened. He goes to the swamp, and then he comes back. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Shaking fingers. Just for everyone who's listening, you're always within walking distance of a swamp, and in particular, the exact swamp you need to go to to exact revenge on an alligator. Because everyone in Florida is trying to, is you know, has been wronged by an alligator. I do have a vendetta against an alligator. Yeah, a specific one, right? Yes. I know exactly where it is. Exactly. Um, not since I moved to go to school, but it's in my hometown. I know exactly yeah, where it is. Yeah, but most times, most times it's within walking distance. It's days are numbered and I know where its children are. Yeah. 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 Um, you are always within walking distance of an alligator in Florida though. That part is true. I've seen alligators on our campus before. No, of course. Of yeah. Course. None they that actually, I have been against. You guys think I'm, I'm, I'm blowing smoke, but I have actually seen an alligator use a crosswalk before. And it's not a convenient crosswalk. It's one of those really random in the middle of the road crosswalks. Yeah, it had to go way out of its way. It really did. Yeah, and they're smart. I guess that's why we're gators. Shaking fingers wipe away slime and thumbs the engraving. It's written onto her heart at this point, but she does it anyway. The last piece she has of dad is with her now, home. By the time Clara looks up, the strange thing is gone. The faint but familiar voice at the back of her head rises into a crescendo. The reassuring hum of a parent. A flight of never-ending stars. A car almost split in two. She inhales. A child clings to her father's hand, smiling up at him. The end. That's the end. Yeah, I I like I like that moment where she. Okay, so he's a brain in a big, big 
you know, robot suit. And the robot suit looks nothing like him. It's literally just like a robot. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, yeah, you know, he goes out and he gets that for her because he knows it's like the right thing to do. It's closure for her and everything. Yes. It's the, the fixing of the family, as you said. Yeah. And like, I, I like that even though she doesn't recognize, he doesn't say anything that kind she, there's like a primal instinct. There's something within her that tells her that it's like a, a parental, you know, thing. It's not like some mm -hmm. creepy cosplayer giving her a watch. It's like, no, I just had a brush with something that, you know, the love is so, yeah, like transcendent that I, it, it means more. Yes. And you can feel that it's like the connection between parent and child is never lost. Even after, you know, maybe you have another parent figure in your life, or even if that, that parent you have thought has perished, you know, even in the small kindness of something, you can remember it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, that's quite I like beautiful. That. Yeah, it is. Um, so that was the last one. I wanted to do one for, uh, yeah, each one I wanted to focus on a different set of characters. Uh, the one except, who I... Except for, well, yeah, you kind of put Rita into two because you're a sexist, so you only pick the dudes. Well, I like Rita. Yeah. She's well. cool. Rita's, yeah, Rita's not technically in the in the, the third one. I just she is in the episode in that moment, but she's not explicitly stated in the the fic. So yeah, you're the sexist. You just, you just, yeah. Well, yeah, you're just being a chauvinist. It's you awesome. just don't it's want good. her into, so you're a sexist. It's good. This is how you want to start season two. That's fine. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I I omitted Crazy Jane and Cyborg, but we and Flex Mentallo, but we hit on basically everybody and the chief. Okay. Um, yeah, those are the core. It's an, it's an ensemble people. cast, so it's hard, unless we want to be here for three hours, it's hard to do one on everybody. But um, I, I like the three. Honestly, I, I and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of Doom Patrol smut out there, but it was not hard to find these. Really? I did not, not have hard. a challenge. No, I had no challenge finding these whatsoever. You know, you know what? Maybe the smaller the fan base, the less likely you are to get the... Uh... You know, the looky-loos who just come in and drop some smut. You know, it's only like real, real fans. I sort of agree, honestly. Yeah. I guess, I guess with the, the more like niche stuff or the things that like smaller or like people care about a little bit more, uh, than just like a general, like, you know, idea or, or, you know, pleasure for it or whatever. Um, maybe it's built more into your identity, um, or like at least into the, like the framework of the things that you enjoy. Like for example, um, my favorite show of all time, um, or I, maybe I should say the best show I've ever seen in my opinion is the killing. Um, and I don't know really anybody who's ever watched it. Um, is that a Netflix show? Okay. So it was an AMC show for two seasons, then a, um, Fox show for one season. And then the final season was on Netflix. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I've heard you talk about it. I've never, it's so good. Oh my God. Fuck you. Joel Kinnaman's in it. And he's like one of my favorite actors. And, um, Muriel, the guy who was in uh, was that the guy who was in the that video game Last of Us? No, no. Um, his name was Joel in the game. Um, no, Joel Kinnaman was Rick Flag from Suicide Squad, and he's also the main character in Altered uh, Carbon, okay. and he was also the main character in the RoboCop reboot. Um, okay. He was also for some reason Thor. I thought he was like the the mocap guy for that as well. Maybe no, not. no. Um, I think that was uh, Nolan North. That's the dude's name is. Um, okay. No, what's really funny, Joel Kinnaman is from one Scandinavian country, I think Sweden, and he was up for the role of Thor, but he was, he had filming, um, he was filming The Killing, so he like couldn't try out for it, and then they picked an Australian dude, um, which I, I, I thought it was cool that a Swedish dude might have been Thor, 
I think a Nordic guy would have been the Nordic mm-hmm. god of thunder, but I, I do think I do think Chris Hemsworth looks more uh, more like Thor than yeah, this no, guy. Yeah, no, Joel Kinnaman looks like a tweaker. He looks like a meth head. Um, yeah. So no, he 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 might have been able to be good, but I I like his career path. I like where he is, so I I have no no complaints. But anyways, about the killing, um, because I it's like ingrained in me as like one of the better shows. Um, I would be less willing to go out of my way and write smut about it. You know what I mean? Like I would want to obsess about it and write something intelligent or something that's like really like minute in the details. So right. maybe, you know, maybe these things that people, it might not be as popular that people really latch onto. They like put more care into, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause no offense. Listen, if you like, I mean, how much movies, was there when you were looking up Sandman? Not that much. Hmm. I mean, you, you had your, you, you know, you, you had your, uh, your bad eggs for sure. Your requisite. Yeah. There were, like I said, there, there was smut for this for sure. Um, but I had, it's not like if, if I looked for a good Marvel piece right now, like MCU piece, please get it. Like, it literally, like you guys might think we're joking listeners, but I swear I to days, God, yeah. it would probably take days of actual like scrolling and reading to find something that was of quality. <laughs> um, I, 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 I commend you for finding that Captain America one, the, the one for, uh, NPR. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, and that was even you. like bundled with other ones. Yeah. Exactly, because literally a lot of it is Bucky getting fucking hammered in the butt by uh, Captain America or yeah, Tony Stark and Captain America. Like it's a lot of it's just smutty. Which if you like smut, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we, you know, you know, when we're not trying to present you a smut every week, it's really difficult to try to find something MCU. And like, like mm. I was saying, if you like Marvel movies, that's totally good. Everyone enjoys, you know, um, a decent Marvel movie here and there. But it's, I mean, you can't be the highest grossing movie of all time and be some niche little thing that only some people like. Yeah. Can't be an art house film. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, it, whenever, you know, when everybody's seen Endgame, um, I think you're more likely to have some errant strangers, like you said, who will pop in and drop some smut and then run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, no, it was it was not difficult to find these Doom Patrol fix. I actually found a lot of good Doom Patrol fix, and these were the ones I wanted to focus on. Mm, that's um, quite surprising. That's yeah, good. yeah. So Dude, shout out to the our, Doom Patrol our, fandom. Our podcast revolutionizing the landscape of the internet. We are terraforming. We are internet forming a new world where so. people don't write smut. They actually put stuff out of that's uh, you know thoughtful and good. Hey, I hope so, dude. Like I like I said, these were really good, and I could probably post three or four more really good ones that I found. No, dude. Yeah, do it. Yeah. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you're if you haven't watched Doom Patrol, you're at least interested in it. Um, if you don't like to watch and you want to read, I hope you pick up one of the graphic novels, one of the trades. The I, um, I've only been able to skim some of the original run, but I know it's fantastic. And Ryan's read the Grant Morrison run. You said it's great, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so um, I have his two trades at my my house that I need to I need to read. Um, sorry, I haven't been able to focus on those with uh, me wanting to gouge my eyes out with um, school. Uh, yeah, completely unacceptable. Yeah. Completely unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but the show's amazing. DC Universe is very inexpensive for what you get. There are many comic books on there. Um, there's a lot of shit on there, a lot of content. So if you like that stuff, you definitely should consider subscribing. I think you can get a free trial, and you can watch the first few episodes of Doom Patrol and get hooked. It's, it's really good. And if you like um, narrative storytelling that is based on character arcs, um, 
I'm not saying that these shows are anything alike. I'm just saying their storytelling to me is similar, sort of like Game of Thrones. Um, maybe not though, because I think Game of Thrones is more action based, and this is more like character study based. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still got an arc. Like, it's they're still like trying to accomplish, like, be the bad guy. Yeah, of course. Find the chief. And, There's an know. overarching arc, but at the same time, like, it's not all focused on plot or action. Like, yeah, it's it's it's, it's even more like sitcom in that sense like situational yeah. like character driven com, comic comic moments and yeah. little action scenes and, like that. and to to lend yourself with the deadpool um um simile that you gave uh these are very funny characters and they do do that superhero humor in a way that i they, think they do, do is good they do do they, they do, do do every episode yeah, yeah. uh but they they hit those those comedic moments that i think are appropriate i mean I think there are some comic book movies out there that just will hit you with a joke and you're like, there was no fucking reason for that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. sure, it was funny, but it was sort of a cheap laugh and you kind of took away from the sincerity of the moment because you made a joke. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think there are any moments in Doom Patrol where I was like, oh, fuck, you shouldn't have made that joke there. That was a, such a good scene. It was so serious until you did that. Like, they they place them right where they need to be and I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, that was my that was my Doom Patrol rant. Um I bet you've been you, you you've been waiting for this listener and Ryan and Alex. What are you stoked on, fams? Oh man, what am I stoked? so as I teased in the beginning, I'm stoked on a book. A book that I just read and uh, I just actually just finished it like right before we got on this call. Um it's one of the books that you lent me. Um and it's called The Grip of It. It is a novel by I don't really know how to pronounce the the author's name so i apologize i believe it is uh jacques jemk j-a-c-j-e-m-c all right um and like i said i'm trying to read just you know because it's october trying to get trying to get the spook on trying to mm. get in the zone with some scarier things it is a haunted house book in the vein of um so like haunting of hill house like that netflix yeah. series that everyone got like hyped about like that was a book before, and also this other book called Turning of the Screw, which is like another like haunted house um, mm-hmm. book that like became a movie. Um, they're both like very much in this same vein. Um, okay, it's just very atmospheric, very creepy. It's centered around um, a young married couple, a man and a wife, and a man and his wife, and they um, they're living in the city. And, you know, they're, they're kind of like having just like a young, like married millennial relationship. And they're like, you know, we're going to go out to this, the, the country and like get a house and like live that lifestyle. And when they get there, it is, it, you know, things, things get, things go bump at the night and it gets pretty scary. It gets um, spooky. It gets, it gets spooky real fast. Yeah. And, um, I, I really think the ending, it's very open-ended and it's very, um, very ambiguous and it gets pretty like art it gets pretty like cerebral towards mm-hmm. the end but i really do think like the beginning and middle like i've read a lot when i was at my apartment like alone at night and i was like very very sufficiently creeped out so good and um, i didn't lend oh, it to you that's yours dude uh no no i definitely picked it from the pile of those books yeah but you you said lent i didn't lend it to you it's your book fans oh. I guess it is. I, I I took it from you, but yeah, no, this is from yeah. that stack of books yeah. that you guys just just like keep in your apartment. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 a big fan of all of all horror films. Good, dude. The, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, I don't think it's a horror film. In, no, I'm just saying. Like, no, I'm I know. I'm, I'm fucking with you. Films, so I really yeah, yeah. hadn't. Um, I had not 
really delved into scary books. You know, I read some Stephen King, it and things like that, but um, just a purely scary book for the sake of it. And I, I really enjoyed it. Good. Very good. How does, I know I've said this before on the show, but for those of you who either forgot or um, this is your first time listening or, you know, you listen intermittently, which is also okay. Um, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, when, when they talk about horror in books and they say that like, it's almost scarier because your imagination is what's conjuring up the monster or what's, what's conjuring up the fright. Um, did you feel that when you're reading it? Did you feel like, cause you know, when you're watching a movie, it, it has to be presented. Um, typically I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to contradict. I'll just, in my, in terms of my taste, okay. I think a good horror movie leaves a lot up a, a good horror movie shouldn't have like a massive budget like yeah. you should have to do most of the work like yeah yeah, yeah. A, Witch. a a door that swings open to reveal like a pitch black hall is much more frightening than like a monster charging through a, a, a you know a closet yeah. door. like it's just like once you see it you're like oh, okay it kind of loses that that totally power agree. over you um, so I think a good scary movie, like a, like Friday the, the original, um, not Friday the Thirteenth, the original Halloween movie, mm-hmm. is a like movie. a fourteen minute like student horror film with like seventy minutes of like just like exterior shots of houses to yeah. pad its runtime. But you know that's 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 what it gets done. You know, it's just very creative with angles and things like that. So yeah, reading this, um, yeah, it was just it was like it was just kind of like yeah. It would just like some words would just give you goosebumps and you just kind of get a chill that runs through you. So, um, yeah, I'm really, you know, like I said, inspired to go out and read some more, some more books like that. And, well, good uh, dude. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for, experience. if you're looking for a scary movie, this, this Halloween, my favorite scary movie, I might've told you about it already. Um, it used to be on Netflix, but now you, you'd have to go online and rent it, which I honestly think is worth the $2. It's called Grave Encounters. Um, imagine like a found footage. So like a Blair witch or a uh, paranormal activity sort of movie. It it was right when that genre was big. Um, but it's a team of ghost hunters that go into a mental asylum and, um, you know, they, they act like it's all bullshit, you know, when the, when the camera's rolling, but when they're not like rolling for the show and, um, you know, that you see them like taking different takes to like, you know, kind of up it a little bit. And you know, like, like there's a, um, um, a psychic who like, you can tell is very obviously just like full of shit. And, um, they're like, yeah, we're going to spend 24 hours locked into this asylum and the sun goes down and then it never comes up. What? Literally never comes up. It's one of, it, it is, I've honestly probably watched that movie four or five times and it's one of the most frightening concepts to me because it's like this old mental asylum. Everyone starts like getting picked off one by one. And, like, one of the things is that there were, like, these service tunnels that are underneath. But there's not even, like, the ambient light of the moon that comes in. And holy fuck, that movie is legitimately Bro, frightening um, at times. First of all, it's Canadian, so it can't be that scary. But I'm looking at the, the tagline. <laughs> it's a polite scary. They went searching for the proof. They found it. Dude, this gets me hyped. I'm going to watch this, like, tonight. Honestly, I think I've watched that movie at like four in the morning before and it's such a good experience. Like I'm the person, I'm that type of horror like fan. I guess all horror fans are, but like, um, I don't get like spooked. I just like really respect when there's a good scare or like when there's like a good concept and I have nothing but the highest level of respect for this movie. The budget on it was like absolute garbage, but wow, it is good. It is. I might, I might, I, I, I'm the kind that gets scared. Like I'll get scared for like, like a couple, like like an hour, a couple, maybe a day or two. But yeah, that's, um, you need to watch this movie because there's literally one point where they're like, 
They're like, yeah, we're, we're 48 hours in and the fucking sun hasn't come up. And they're like, they're like freaking out about it. And like, obviously they start to run out of food. They start to run out of water. The ghosts start fucking with them more or whatever's in there. And it is like, it's good. So I, I, that's amazing. If you're looking for, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. And, and it's a Halloween haunt you probably haven't seen unless you were like me and you were in high school when it was on Netflix and like, you know, you're like, Hey, like, let's all go over to someone's house and watch a scary movie. And Dick is on Netflix. So you just watch whatever. Um, mm-hmm. at least at the time I thought, I think the selection is better now, but at the time I was like, well, this is just like a B movie. Oh, how scary, scary can it be? It was fucking great. So sorry to take over your stoked on, but I'm nothing. I'm extreme. But, I, now I'm stoked on the possibility of this. That's dude, good. That's please watch the price of one. Bro, watch it. And I want your like live reaction. Just like send me like <laughs> so many, um, message on Facebook when you watch it. Cause I want to know like your live. I, I remember that movie so vividly because I've watched it so many times and I fucking burned it into my skull because I love that movie. Um, good, good. So it's not my stoked on, unfortunately. Um, my stoked on, for all you people out there, I'm going to shock you. Uh, Bachelor in Paradise, my dude. Dude, such a good show. Okay, I'm glad you agree because I, okay, dude, so. Dude, what's your take on Stagecoach? <sighs> Look, I saw the, he had the receipts. I saw the, saw the DMs. She went out of her way to, to jump into his tent. Uh, Bro, it was pretty savage to put those DMs out there, though. I it don't was know savage. If I done that. Did you watch the the finale where they were talking about oh, it? Oh, no, I did. Okay, well, I like think he said, he's in the right, but I also think he shouldn't have put him out there. That's like he said, it, the issue would have never been corrected had he not done it. So it is shitty. It was, I, I it was he, a total think, douchey thing. I think he's in worse. I think he. I think he he's in a worse position now, though. He should have apologized. He, he should have apologized. He didn't outright he apologize, and, and he should like, have apologized. Yeah, I'm a man, ho. And then yeah. he like accept the blame and let her get off. That's what, exactly. That's what a man does. That's what a man does. But it's great. Okay, I'm um, sorry. No, no, no. no you has know. any idea what we're talking about? But yeah, maybe some people do. Basically, Bachelor in Paradise. They take all the people from the Bachelor that or Bachelorette that were interesting but didn't win, and then they throw them on a beach for like four weeks, six weeks. And uh, you literally get, like, eight movies worth of content. You don't realize that it's going as long as it is. Like, you'll literally be, like, an hour and a half deep. You're like, how am I, am I still watching this? I just started. But then, you know, you know you're know, you an hour and a half deep. It's so good. Oh, my God. My roommate was watching it. I was making fun of her. And I was standing there to, like, make fun of it. And then, like, 30 minutes later, I was sitting on, on the couch. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. Fuck that guy. What a dick. Like... So sucked. You're like in. standing, then you're like leaning on the couch, then you're sitting on the arm, then you're like yeah. fully sprawled out, like, hey, give me those, pass those chips over here. Yeah, and like, like she like, into this. she'll try to make a comment to me, like, shut up, shut up. I'm trying to see, see what they're saying. Oh my God, you're so disrespectful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just good. It's entertainment. It's pure, trashy American TV, and sometimes you need that. Um, we are, we are going really long on time, but, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that because, you know, we're back. And, uh, it, it feels good. It's good to be back. Um, my ass is really sore cause I've been sitting on my toilet this whole time. Not, um, pants down. Like I said, I'm in my bathroom, <laughs> um, but I don't have a chair in my toilet. So, um, ass is getting a little sore. So yeah, I'm feeling it too, guys. You, you see this, this mountain marathon of a uh, podcast episode, but we feel it too. We're, we're out here with sore asses for you guys. Just so you know. Yeah. My, my ass is sore, uh, for unrelated reasons. Long night at the bar, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dollar bill pinned to your shirt. Rush. Yeah, trying down to Washington yeah. Street multiple times. Dollar bill pinned to your shirt when you woke up this morning. <laughs> what are these ones stuffed in my waistband? <laughs> what the hell? 
fuck, what the man. Fuck. God damn. Crazy again? night, bro. Again? Crazy night. But no, thank you Who again. Wants to waddle uncomfortably down to the gas station and get some uh, <laughs> some orange juice to liven up this whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again to everybody who did the guest show uh, episodes for us. We do really appreciate it. Um, thank you for not letting our Twitter die while we were gone. We actually gained followers like in the the break. So maybe think, we should just stop doing the podcast then. We we'll keep getting followers and just stay on Twitter. No, but like, yeah, thank you guys for not letting us kind of fade into obscurity and die out. Uh, and some shows get really scared of that, but you guys don't let that happen. So we really appreciate it. That was really cool. Uh, we have a Patreon. Suck my fanfic. We would appreciate it if you gave some money. You can get more than a dollar, and we'll read fix for you straight into your ear holes. And we have a YouTube. You can subscribe to that. Smash subscribe and like. And uh, what else do we got? We got a Facebook. Got the Twitters. The Tumblr, which I mean, Ryan's the most active on. Um, Dude, our t- I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there now. Our Tumblr is erupting. Like, do if you are yes. if you're listening, do not go check out our Tumblr. Yeah. I do not understand. I don't think the website can handle that many visitors. No, not not our blog. Do not, not our, not do our for the sake of the internet. Because I think if this if the Tumblr goes down at the domino effect, the entire internet will crash. Yep. Do not go to our Tumblr. There's yeah, too much traffic. It is too popular. Totally agreed. Uh, but thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is season two. I'm optimistic. Um, it, it was great to be back, Ryan. It's nice to catch up with you, especially since I don't live in New York anymore and I don't get to see mm-hmm. you once a week like I used to. Uh, but this is right. great. I had a good time. I hope you enjoyed the fix. I hope you're... Uh, reinvigorated to go watch Doom Patrol, and it, it's glad to hear that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're you're reading a bunch and you're enjoying the this poopy books. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to get into it. Yeah, uh, doing great things. Doing great down, great things down there in school. Being oh, smarty pants. Uh, I'm also. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Also, I'm stoked on South Park. The new season's great. Fuck you. I mentioned them. Um, also, <laughs> uh, fuck you. I have to start Dune Messiah soon. I mentioned that too. Fuck you. Um, sick. Uh, I'm going to wake up in like five hours so I can go to class. Yeah, I'm going to go to work. Dude, are we being productive members of society? <laughs> not right now, we're not. We're making a podcast. Oh, no, I was going to say, by doing this, we are. Our other shit's unproductive. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what should we remember, fam? <sighs> Man, I am quite excited to be back. Yeah, it's good to be talking with you. It's good to be talking to the fans, and um, you know, whether you're a you know failed fighter pilot, failed actress, or a sentient street, we love you, and we're glad that you're listening, and we hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>